Earlier this week, California Governor Gavin Newsom laid out a four-phase plan to gradually reopen the state. One of the topics he brought up was when students might be able to start ditching distance learning and return to schools. Uh, The schools are shut down for the remainder of the school year. Learning continues at home, distance learning. But we recognize there's been a learning loss because of this disruption. We're concerned about that learning loss even into the summer. And so we are considering the prospect of an even earlier school year into the fall. It's early as late July, early August. What have been some of those challenges and what are the learning loss concerns? When students do return to campus, no doubt things will be much different than when they left. So how are schools and educators preparing for an imminent return to classrooms, not only in terms of education, but also in terms of the safety of students and faculty? Christina recently spoke with L.A. County Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Deborah Duardo, who provided insight into how things have been going with distance learning, as well as what steps are being taken to prepare for the next school year, which may end up coming sooner rather than later. Doctor, I I imagine it's been a busy time for you, especially of late. Yes, it's been extremely busy as schools had to move to a remote learning process almost overnight. So we've been really busy uh, not only training our teachers and preparing them for distance learning, but also ensuring that our students have access to devices and the internet that they need in order to learn remotely. In terms of the number of districts, because I know LA County has 80 districts within it, uh, I believe, is there any county like that that compares in the United States? I mean, this has to be one of the biggest. Yeah, no question. There's no comparison. We are the largest county serving approximately 2 million students. Uh, So nobody really comes close to our size. And I'd say the diversity that we have in LA County. So how has it been? How are your students doing? What What are some of the biggest needs that you're finding you need to meet and face? Uh, I think for the most part, we've done a really good job in getting uh, information to students, starting off with even if it was packets, um, instructional packets, uh, connecting with families and students, even if that means by telephone, if they didn't have uh, the devices or the internet connectivity that they needed, um, you know, but th- there are some areas within districts, high levels of poverty where there's certainly a disparity in terms of who has access to the devices they need and the equipment that they need in order to move on to online learning, which is where we're trying to get all of our districts and all of our students access to higher quality instruction uh, in front of uh, a teacher uh, online. So that's been some of the challenges. Also, feeding students, there's been so much need uh, to provide food to our students and families uh, with so many parents that suddenly have lost their jobs and and their incomes are are, are restricted. Uh, There really is a need to make sure that we're feeding students. So all of our districts are handing out grab-and-go meals, uh, sometimes breakfast, lunch, and dinner, uh, and also feeding the extended family because there's such a high need. Uh, So making sure our kids are fed, making sure that they continue to receive instruction. And in some areas, we're also trying to provide child care for 
our first responders and medical providers that need to find a place to have their children uh, taken care of while they're working. Mm. There's so many different levels of things to think about, especially when you have two million kids involved and their families. I can't imagine. Um, what went through your mind when you heard Governor Newsom say on Tuesday that school districts could start um, their their classes as early as July? Well, it didn't come as a surprise to me. We know that uh, we want to get our our students physically back at school as soon as we can. Uh, first thing that came to my mind is that we need to make sure, one, that we have very specific guidance from the Department of Public Health so that we can bring students back and ensure their health and safety. I mean, that's always the number one priority for us, mm-hmm. uh, the health and safety of our students and our employees. So making sure that we have that guidance that tells us exactly what the Department of Public Health expects in terms of physical distancing, how we're going to monitor uh, children and adults for symptoms, uh, will there be testing available to ensure safety, uh, do we have all of the PPE equipment that we need, do we have the masks and gloves and the disinfectants and everything that we're going to need to do in order to um, limit the number of students that are physically together. Uh, And and I think it's also making sure that we have the resources that we need, because if you're talking about um, physical distancing of six, you know, feet apart for students, so if you think of an average classroom, that means that we might have a third of the students actually physically in one classroom. Mm-hmm. So we need to then think, where are we going to get the resources for additional teachers, or will there be greater flexibility in terms of who's providing the instruction? Uh, so there's a lot of, a lot of questions, um, but we're very excited to, to have our students come back, our teachers uh, miss their children want them to come back we just want to make sure that we can do it in a safe way and that we have the resources and the guidance that we need to keep everyone safe and to your point i know the california teachers association released a statement after governor newsom's announcement um, which by the way we should be clear is not definitive it's just an option uh, that he's providing as as a possible solution to the disruption in learning but the california teachers association said that this has been the perfect storm in terms of a financial hardship for the districts and that federal funding would be necessary for a lot of the schools to move forward. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think even before this pandemic, schools have been uh, underfunded, especially in California. So we are going to need additional resources to carry this out, but we're also going to have to really be creative about what coming back to school looks like. Uh, And that could be uh, staggering uh, students and and staggering start times, having a year-round calendar, maybe first starting off with our younger students and our students with disabilities who it's more difficult for them to to participate in online instruction. Uh, We're going to need to look at some hybrid programs where maybe some students come to school while others are still learning remotely. And to allow parents to go back to work, we need to think more broadly. Some people may not feel safe sending their children to school, or some people may have students that have pre-existing conditions that put them at greater risk. Some of our 
medically fragile students. So we're going to need to think about multiple ways of providing instruction. And I think what I was le- going to was if we're only going to have a certain percentage on, on our school site at a specific time, we're, need- we're also going to need to think about where could children go where they can receive instruction if they can't be at home parents are working. So thinking about partnerships with our county libraries and our parks uh, and really leveraging resources and figuring out very different ways of where learning can take place if the students can't physically be at school. Mayor Garcetti said something about a split schedule where some students would come in on a certain four days and other, I, I wasn't exactly clear, but is that sort of thing something you'd consider? Yeah, we're looking at everything. So it may be that we have some students come to school Monday and Wednesdays, other students come Tuesday and Thursdays, uh, staggering the time. Um, but, But the issue is when the students that are not physically in school and have parents that need to go to work, where can those students be to still receive instruction um, from a different location other than school if we can't if we don't have enough classrooms to have you know only 10 students in a class to implement the physical distancing right. we need to think about other ways where children can have the supervision and still get the instruction while their parents are working mm-hmm. have you um, I, we heard from teachers earlier today that said if school does start earlier, say they do a a fall semester that starts, you know, in late July, they're not going to be able to have a break from this very tumultuous semester to kind of pause and prep for the next school year. Is that, how do you address that concern? Yeah, I mean, I can understand that concern. There's going to need to be some additional support and training Uh, And that's why I said we also have to look at different models. Um, That's why we started a a task force. Uh, Lego just um, pulled together. We have about 20 superintendents from our 80 districts that are meeting to work out all of the details and all of the scenarios and options of how we're going to do this. But I think, as I said earlier, we really need to be flexible and think of having many options the task force starting to meet this week what will they be discussing and any indication as to what some early solutions might be so laco is convening a county-wide task force of school superintendents and um really what the task force will be doing is building a framework and planning for the reopening of campuses whether it's this summer or the fall uh and looking at various options of how we can go about doing this again with self with um, health and safety being a a priority you know I think what needs to be clear is that there isn't going to be one single solution that's going to fit the needs of all districts or all students and families so we need to have flexibility where uh, districts have different options for how learning can take place and that should be based on the individual needs of that student and that family. Um, Final thing I want to touch on is the emotional aspect. I was speaking to this woman who's an advocate for special needs students, and she was saying, you know, they'll they'll especially need emotional support going back into class. But I think all students really will, because this has been um, 
traumatizing for a lot of them. So what do you foresee in terms of emotional support? And do you think there will ever be a normal, like when will we be back to what we used to be pre-coronavirus pandemic? Well, I don't think we're ever going to go back to where we were. I mean, there are some positive things that have come out of this and the use of technology and remote instruction uh, for some students is um, very beneficial. Uh, we have students that are hospitalized or have other uh, reasons why they physically can't be present in the classroom. So I think the, the, the gains we've made with getting everybody devices and, and um, providing the professional development to our teachers and really being able to learn in this new way is something that's never going to go away. Um, as far as mental health, there absolutely has been trauma in this, not just for students, but for all of us, adults, our employees, uh, everyone has experienced this fear and loss of their old normal, not being able to uh, see their loved ones, to uh, interact with others. Uh, and besides those who have actually lost a member, in their, a member of their family to this virus, so we are going to have to have um, a, a process in place where we are assessing uh, which children have the highest needs. Uh, I believe we'll start with those who were already uh, having some higher needs than others, our foster youth, our homeless youth, um, adjudicated youth. Uh, children in high poverty situations, uh, cases where we knew uh, children were already involved with the system, perhaps, um, you know, um, part of um, the Department of Children and Family Services being separated from their families. So those are things, I think those are the, the kids that we need to absolutely check in on first. And we've been doing that remotely, calling children, reaching out to them. But when they come back, they're going to need reassurance, not only the children, but their parents, that it's safe to be back at and so Absolutely. that is something that we're going to have to really work on. And part of it is preparing them before they even come back uh, with excellent communication, perhaps videos, uh, explaining what to expect when they come back, uh, what we've put in place to ensure their safety, uh, how their, safe, their health and safety is a priority for all of us. Uh, so I, I think there's going to have to be that type of, of, of work that um, counselors are going to need to do for a long time. And not just counselors, uh, really training our teachers and other school staff about um, psychological trauma and just basics on how to engage with students, how to ensure that they are emotionally okay so that they are able to learn. Great. And I look forward to seeing what the LA County Office of Education, that task force, uh, comes up with because I know it's challenging times still ahead to navigate all this. More Coronavirus Daily on Monday. To make sure you never miss an episode or to listen to some of our previous episodes, please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen. You can also find us at ktla.com slash coronavirus daily. Follow all our KTLA podcasts on Instagram and Twitter at KTLA podcasts. I'm at sounds like Bobby on Instagram and you can find Christina on Twitter at Christina KTLA and on Instagram at Christina Pascucci. For the very latest coronavirus headlines anytime, be sure to visit KTLA.com or download the free KTLA News app. Thanks for listening.